0: On an average, if your deal size is about 50K and if you have more than three people to four people part of the decision-making process and if your sales cycle is longer than six months, I think ABM is a perfect fit for you.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. So as a B2B manufacturer, there are a lot of ways to do marketing. Traditionally, many of you have poured money into trade shows, printed materials, maybe print ads or pay-per-click. Those of you who have modernized your approach have found your way into content marketing, inbound, SEO, and so on. And don't get me wrong here, I'm a huge advocate for inbound and content marketing. Huge advocate. We do it for ourselves, we do it for our clients, and with plenty of success. But as I often explain, generally speaking, inbounds is a long game you're consistently creating and publishing expert content, you're building authority for your website, and slowly more of the right people from the right companies start to find you and engage with you and start conversations with you. And this is absolutely something you should be doing because it's sustainable. It's a sustainable way to grow your business. but. There's no magic button you can push to win the inbound game. If you're doing it right, it requires some serious blood, sweat, and tears in most cases, and it takes time, it takes patience to build that machine. And so because of that, I'm also a huge advocate of supplementing inbound with a more proactive marketing approach where you're identifying the right people from the right companies, those buying process influencers inside those organizations, and then you go get them. And this is exactly what we are going to talk about today account-based marketing or ABM as it's often called. So if you were to ask me, Joe, who is the one single person I should go learn about when you're thinking about ABM, I would point you to Sangram Vajre. And it just so happens that that is exactly who we are interviewing today. So Sangram, to give a little introduction, ran marketing at Pardot, acquired by ExactTarget, and then ExactTarget was acquired by Salesforce for $2.7 billion. Soon after that, Sangram co-founded Terminus, which hit $1 million in the first year, $5 million in the second, and 15 million in the third year, ranking 21st in Deloitte's fastest growing companies list, named back-to-back as one of the best places to work also. On LinkedIn alone, Sangram has over 15,000 subscribers to his weekly Becoming Intentional newsletter and over 10 million views of his content in just the last two years. Sangram has quickly become a marketing and leadership expert and has been named one of the top 21 B2B influencers in the world by DMN Network. Sangram is the author of two books on marketing a frequent keynote speaker, a host of a top 50 business podcast called Flip My Funnel with over half a million downloads. And if I saw correctly, I think 600 some episodes at this point, which blows my mind. So Sangram, I am literally giddy that you are here on our show today. Welcome.
0: <laughs> well, after that intro, I'm like, oh my God, like most people are like, can we get over with? And like, stuff We got enough. Uh, but Joe, dude, I'm so grateful that you thought of me and I'm on this podcast, and I love the fact that it's your podcast. Your episodes are niche on in industry, so I think I wish more people would do that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Thanks for being here. I mean, this is I'm super excited for this conversation. ABM is is something we're talking about constantly with our clients at this point. And five years ago, it's like this acronym that, you know, most people didn't even know you did, but like, you know, it was sort of an evolving and emerging thing. And especially in the manufacturing sector where marketing tends to be kind of lagging, you know, far lagging behind SaaS and also behind most professional services. So it's kind of finding its way into the manufacturing world the last few years. And we're big advocates of ABM. So, you know, that said, this is, I'm excited to have you here. Man, uh, what's also
0: exciting in general for me when I think about this five year, like 2014, 2015, when we started Terminus and just the idea of ABM, the idea of Flip My Funnel in that sense is that my own understanding of that has evolved. Like I wish I could say, man, I knew Joe, I knew exactly what this is and this is not, not true, not true at all. In 2015, what I understood and when I wrote the first book on account-based marketing, there was a concept that I felt there got to be a better way. And then in 2019, when I wrote the second book, I feel like you could see that I literally moved on from, oh, it's not just a better mousetrap. It is actually a better marketing strategy. It's a better go-to-market strategy. So it's no longer ABM for the sake of ABM. it's, It's B2B. So it's been fascinating to just go through that personally from a journey perspective.
2: Yeah, I, I imagine you've probably just, I mean, you, I know you've seen it all. You've, you were kind of at the forefront of this movement. And so given who we're talking to here, we're not talking mostly to people in software who are, you know, tend to be super innovative in the marketing front. A lot of my audience here on this show is mid-sized manufacturers. Like, like I said, in the intro, they've, they, you know, they've leaned on trade shows and print ads in the past and, and are starting to do more content marketing the last few years and inbound. But can you just kind of give an overview? Like, what are we talking about here? Exactly. When you're talking about account-based marketing?
0: At the core of it, I mean, there are probably 179 buzzwordy definitions of it. So I'll save you from that. In the layman terms, it is really focused marketing and sales together. That's it. It's a one team approach to go after the right accounts that matter to you for your business. And you do any and everything to win those accounts. And I say that and then people are like, well, wait a minute, that's, that, isn't that what marketing and sales is supposed to be? Yeah, you're right. They, they should be, but that's not what's happening. Most organizations, marketing is giving salespeople leads and the sales team is like, well, that, that's not the right lead. But if you really boil it down, why is that happening? It's not because sales don't want leads. It's not that marketing is just giving them bad leads. It's like there's no sales empathy in the process. And What I mean by that is the title of a salesperson in most organizations is account executive. So they already understand accounts. Like you ask any salesperson, what are your top five accounts that you're working on? They would tell you, they don't have to look at Salesforce. They don't have to look at anything. But if you ask your marketing team, what are the top five accounts your salespeople are working on? They have no idea. And there lies the issue of inbound only or anything like that is, as you shared. It's like, yes, we got to create top of the funnel content, but gosh, if you don't help our salespeople win, we're gonna lose our jobs. And that's what accountants marketing allows you to do is to be on the same page with your sales team. It's literally, so again, it's literally the definition can boil down to it's a focused marketing and sales approach.
2: Yeah, that's a great overview. And I think, like you said, in layman's terms, right? Because I think a lot of people hear about ABM, you know, it's described to them and they. some people will just say, well, isn't that just sales? And well, well no, not exactly. It's, you know, we're talking about creating focus here, but marketing and sales sort of working together, right?
0: Yeah, it, it does.
2: I mean, you can go
0: and like, like if you want to go advanced, right, like just for two minutes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can actually have intent data. So imagine this perfect world. And that's happening for a lot of advanced companies. So everybody wants to like just upload level their thoughts. Forget everything that you're doing, but just up level. Think that you're here watching a movie and it's a 3D movie. So put on your glasses and here we go. So imagine what, what's happening with like some of the top companies that are doing this is something like this. They have a list of target accounts and that's probably like a 1,000 or, or 1,500. They look at intent data that allows them to see which of these 1500 accounts are actually looking for stuff that you are selling without using your company's name. And then they're able to say, Oh, out of this 1500, these hundred accounts are actually starting to look for stuff. So they're in the very early stages of their identifying a need in their company. Why not activate our sales team and marketing team to go after those accounts? Now imagine that like put that in a rocket fuel and and see if you can do that for every business and that's what's really happening and that's what five years from now will happen where every organization will get try to get ahead as a competitive advantage in the hearts and minds of the people they're trying to sell not when they are ready to buy because at that time they have already have made their decision and now you you become one of the things that they have to check the box for the financial team that they have looked at three different vendors You don't want that. That's too late. You want to get in early and higher in the organization. And I think that's where a lot of this intent data and more of that higher level information is super valuable. But I'll tell you, Joe, since 99% of the organizations are not doing it, I think almost every person listening to this has a competitive advantage. Because in your industry, this intent data may be such a foreign concept, you don't even have to go there. You may literally, if you would probably be crushing your quotas for the year by literally making sure that sales and marketing agree on a set of accounts and marketing has programs, not for everything else out there, but for those accounts that you need to close this month, this quarter, this year.
2: Yep. I totally agree. It's beyond what a lot of companies in in this manufacturing space are even thinking about. Can you talk a little bit more about intent data and sort of, you know, make that a little more concrete for some of the listeners? Like what exactly are we talking about with intent data? Where does that come from?
0: Yeah, so, in, so there's a lot of different data providers out there. Bombara is one of the foremost uh, provider that we partner up with at Terminus and a lot of our 1,000 plus customers use. It literally gives you information about, so let's say you're a manufacturing company, you are actually selling some of the manufacturing tools and supplies to, let's say, Home Depot. Let's mm-hmm. just take that as an example. Okay. Yeah? And now that's what you want to do. One, that's one of your account is Home Depot that you know you can serve them better. It's great. But you don't know when Home Depot is going to be looking for it. You you can have your sales rep go after and call them up. But if they have a thousand people on the list, you don't know which one to call at 8 a.m. in the morning. You just do The priority for sales team it just doesn't exist. So imagine if you could literally identify Home Depot, somebody over there is starting to search some of the keywords. And that's like the deep one level of the Depot there is that let's say they start looking for manufacturing supply chain oriented things that aligns with your industry. You can buy those keywords from somebody like Bambara and say, if anybody searches on these keywords that are related to my industry and my product services, even though it does not say the name of my company, I want to know that. So what they would do is like every time somebody from those companies that you are interested in are looking for those keywords anywhere online, not on your website, but anywhere in the wild, it will alert your organization and your sales team. Now that does, clear. you can see where it goes from there, right? Like now all of a sudden your sales team and your marketing team, if you're really looking to take you to the next level is, gosh, we got the list. You won't just have your sales team call You will say, marketing, let's actually run some campaign. Let's just do direct mail with this account because this is one of our top accounts and they are obviously interested in this topic. Let us be the first one to break into this account and show them that we care and show them that we're interested. You can create landing pages specifically designed for your company name slash Home Depot and drive people from there to your landing page. So the level of sophistication can just keep going up, depending upon the size of video that you're trying to sell. But that information, dude, right now is readily available compared to like five years ago when I started talking about ABN. Intent data wasn't nowhere to be found, like nobody really understood what intent data was even. But right now, with all the cookie tracking, IP tracking, keyword tracking, this information is available. The question is, are you gonna take the next level of interest, does that matter to you, or we can go through the MQL, the SQL, the SAL, and all these different layers. We qualify people because, or account, because you don't if those accounts are the right. But in account-based, there's no qualification. There is no handoff. It's like Home Depot is on the website. Boom, we need to start calling them because there's no qualification in the process. So you really save so much time and energy if you really
2: do it right. I mean, what a great way to be able to channel the time and energy of your team as so many people are out there on the sales front, just like kind of flying blind, right? Their account list is an account list that's just based on, you know, characteristics, firmographic characteristics, this size company in this part of the country with, you know, this many people or this much revenue. But- they don't know who's buying and, you know, they don't know what activity people are from those organizations are doing online to gather information during their sales or the buying process. Right. So it makes a ton of sense to have, you know, to to be able to help enable your sales team by channeling their energy into the right places where they're going to have much higher success rates. Right. Yeah. And I think what's really
0: fascinating, Joe, I have seen people marketers get promoted. I've seen marketers become CMOs in their organization. I've seen people getting a lot more bonuses. Like I really have seen, I remember Daniel Day, who was one of our customers when he was at Snowflake and I moved to another company. I think yeah, he's still a customer of ours, but at Snowflake, I remember when he he came and he said to me, we, we do this all hands thing where we have a customer coming to the office every single month like come in and now we do it virtually, obviously, but we have been doing that for over a year. It's probably the best marketing program I've ever run is not anything else, but have a customer come in the office and share what's going on, how, what matters to them about them. So everybody in the organization knows who you're doing this for. So, I remember Daniel Day coming in and saying, You guys have changed my life and we we're like, Come on now, we're not like we're not in the business of like saving lives. We're not like he was like, No, no, you don't understand what you guys have done. And this is like early, like in twenty eighteen, yeah, early twenty nineteen maybe. And he was like, Well, look, I know I can walk into my CFO's room, I can walk into my CEO's room, I can walk into my CMO's room and tell them exactly how what I do drives business. I can tell them of all the pipeline that they look at every single quarter to say, are we going to meet our numbers or not? That's every company's challenge. Every quarter you're looking at it, you know, as a founder, you know, you're looking at like, are we going to meet the number or not? Like you're looking at it like a hawk. He's like, I can tell very clearly within a ballpark of a few percentage points, which of these accounts we're going to close and which we have absolutely no chance. It's just bullish salesperson saying that they're going to win. And the reason he can do that is because he can go and say to them like, Hey, look, we think we're going to close all of these 50 accounts. Right. Let me tell you. Out of these 50 accounts, only 10 accounts are spent any time on our website. So the chances of the rest 40 closing is slim to none that may be like, I don't know what they're doing, but The only these 10 accounts that are more than three people from that company's spending time on our website. So I feel very good putting a pipeline number to say that these 10 should be part of our forecast, not the 40. 40 is gravy if that happens. And he said, nine out of 10 times, I'm literally this close to helping our sales team forecast the right number. Now, Joe, think about the power as a marketer you have to actually help your organization forecast where the revenue numbers are going to be.
2: So powerful. Well, Sangram, you're Most recent book, ABM is B2B, came out, what, late last year was it? Late last year, yeah, October, October. Okay, yeah. I owned it within a few days of it going live and had read it a few days later, I think in two sittings or so. It was a fantastic book, and I'd encourage everybody here to pick it up. But there's so many quotable lines from your book, but one that I had highlighted that I think really summed it up for me was this, that you wrote, not all accounts are equal in value, so why are you creating equal experiences for them? It's okay to play favorites. In fact, it's necessary. Assigning tiers is the fairest way to make sure that you design experiences that reflect what each account is worth. Your top tier gets wined and dined. Your bottom tier gets Sprite and takeout. I thought that was so great because it it just touches on this. I mean, you said it, like not every account is equal yet we're treating them all the same. We're not looking at things you've talked about like intent, et cetera. So can you unpack this idea a little bit more about account tiers? Yeah.
0: Absolutely, Joe. And thank you. I mean, it's one of my favorite quotes too, because, and and just so you know, like, and I'm very open about like writing books and stuff. Hey, look, I'm running a company. And so I'm not writing every single word in it, but majority of my content came from the podcast that we we have been doing. So it's really cool. And I literally hired a comedian to help me write a book. And I'm very open to that because I sat down and said, here's all of my content, but I don't want B2B to be boring to boring. I want it to be better, do better. So help me make this better. So I would put it in front of him like, all right, I want to write about this concept of like, you have to treat accounts differently. I'm like, that sounds so boring. Like, can you help me? And he came up with that idea of like, hey, you know what? What if, you know, so he made it sound so much better. So I'm very open and share people like, look, I have no problem getting and taking help and and so should everybody take help when you need it. And that example is really the crux of the entire account based marketing idea. If your newsletter that you write goes to everyone, if your webinar goes to everyone, if your podcast goes to everyone, then everybody's the same. And if everybody's the same, then you're watering down the level of experience that you should be creating for your top tier account. So the way when we used to fly delta miles, like, you know, you want a different tier so you can get in early and get a seat and all those kind of things. Like The tiering is in B2C understands this really well. For whatever reason in B2B, we don't consider experiences based on the size of the deal, the type of the deal, the length of the deal, and that makes everybody look the same. And here's the biggest challenge your million dollar deal that you're going to close and a $50,000 deal. And I would encourage everybody as a challenge to go back and look at your biggest deal and your smallest deal and look at the experiences you're providing them today. Maybe do a chart and just write it down and see. And if you are 99% of the things, if not 100, are the same, you got lucky is the only thing I would say. Or you're overspending on your small accounts. You don't have to or you're actually not spending enough to close those deals more of the bigger deals. And so an example of that would be like, like we have done recently, we do webinars like everybody else, but now we have started to do webinars based on industry. So we would only get 10 or 20 people. That's all we need. We'll put them together in the same industry and have conversation about how to solve problems in that industry, period. As opposed to trying to say hey here's the top of the funnel content for a canvas marketing you're saying no no, no. here is let's bring together cmos of manufacturing industry together and talk about that it is such a different conversation it is such more richer deeper conversation we're happening so you just start looking at we would do a webinar just to get ideas out but then we'll be webinars that are accelerators for her and in that case we're doing like five or ten people i think People and companies are making huge mistakes by treating all accounts the same. They're losing so much money because your competitor right now is whining and dining somebody, is actually giving them really good takeouts or whatever they're trying to do for them. And if you're treating everybody the same, you're completely missing the opportunity that you have at hand. So I'm glad you brought that up.
2: Yeah, well, you you can see how it all fits together. You use things like intent data paired with, you know, the information you might already have about an account to make smart decisions about where you're going to have more success. And then to the broader audience, you, there are things you'll do, you you know, your content will play a role there and your newsletter and stuff. But then, you know, as you look inside that smaller group, that is the right fit. And they're showing signs that, you know, they're in the buying process, then those are the ones where you can deploy more of your your time and energy to, right? And it changes the game. It changes yeah.
0: the game. Like I'll give you another example of them real quick, and I share about about this one. It's in the book. You might remember Pramada. Pramada they are probably fits more into the sweet spot of the customers that you probably have and, and the people who are listening to it. They only needed hundred deals to close in like next two to five years. Like they don't need a thousand because every deal is at least a million and it can go up to like 10 million or something like that. So really, really big deals. So they didn't care about number of leads. They didn't care about traffic and stuff. But when they started Accombus programs, their traffic dropped by 70%. Now, anybody who's thinking like marketing is like, well, if the traffic drops, you're not a good marketer, like what's what's wrong with you? But their pipeline and revenue was going up. So they looked into like what happened and what they identified was because they were so targeted on their list of accounts they were going after, they were only advertising and engaging with these hundred accounts that they had identified as their total addressable market. And as soon as they did that, everything was to them and they didn't do anything else. That's all they focused on. They actually went from 22 different technologies to six to do everything they needed. So their cost of acquisition overall dropped by about 62% just by that. So when they started to do that, the traffic automatically dropped, but it was coming from the right places. So that's the questions that we all have to ask The Vanity metrics, that is one of the other things that I kind of jumped in the book for, as you might remember, is that I think we are measuring too many false positives and vanity metrics. I used to measure website traffic going up is great. Now I ask the question, so what? Mm-hmm. I used to look at number of downloads are great. Now I ask, ask the question, so what? Are they the right people? Are they from the right tiers? Are they the, the people that we want more of? If not,
2: We actually figured out how to waste our money. Such a great point. I love that so much. And it's a concept I've, I've talked about with clients too. You articulated that much better than I ever would have. But, you know, and, and like you see the same sort of thing happening when you're repositioning your business. Like Gorilla, we moved from being more of a generalist firm into serving the industrial sector seven or eight years ago. And we've honed that more and more. And I always talk about how you know, every time we honed more and more, our traffic dipped more and more. And then it would pop back up, you know, a bit. But the quality of leads that were being generated on our site, the People who are appearing on our site were becoming higher and higher because our message was so focused. And it's sort of a similar thing going on here when you're running ABM, right? It's like the volume is misleading. And if, and if you're looking at those metrics alone, you'll probably fire your marketer because those vanity metrics, as you call them, are are going in the wrong direction. But it doesn't matter. Look at the revenue. Look at new customers. Are they the right customers? You know, is your pipeline growing, right? So I think that's a really great point. Yeah, man. I, I hope more companies take note on that. Yeah, that's great. So, something I've observed online, I, you can maybe validate this or speak to, you know, to it from another perspective. But I, I, a lot of the content you find, if you're looking for ABM or account-based marketing information or examples of it, like almost everything I find is with either huge enterprise organizations or mm-hmm. software companies, and I've found it a little difficult to find like we developed our methodology with our clients for doing ABM with you know, mid-sized B2B manufacturers. I'm talking about companies that do 10 million to a hundred million a year in sales. And some of those customers are enterprise, others are smaller. But how do you think like ABM methodology can be applied to more you know small to mid-sized businesses? Do you think anything changes or is it kind of the same thing? Uh, it's a really good question, Joe, because I think ABM is not for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it goes back to like,
0: recognizing who your customers are is so important. So I think people who think that we can sell to everybody, that that's just not true. I used to think that. I used to, when we started Terminus, we said, well, we can sell to everybody. Our market cap or market size is, you know, 5 billion. Like it mm-hmm. was just nothing but ego mm-hmm. and bravada. It, it, it wasn't anything real in, in a sense. Real, the reality is that five years later, we are a thousand customers right now, right? So if your market says that big, why did not we close fast enough? So... I think we have to get real with ourselves. We have to look back in the mirror and say, what is truly our customer size? And what I've seen that on an average, if your deal size is about 50K, and if you have more than three people to four people, part of the decision-making process, and if your sales cycle is longer than six months, I think ABM is a perfect fit for you. Anything lower than that, I think you start compromising in areas like, well, how much time and energy? Because you would not have the time to do if you're doing transactional business. An example another example would be like, you know, if, if you're a big company selling to really, really, really small deals, like, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks subscription or a thousand bucks subscription, ABM is not a good fit for you because that will take too much of a time It's a transactional business. You better off getting a brand oriented conversations in the marketplace and bringing people together on it. As opposed to that, you could actually be a 10 people agency. But if your deal sizes are over 50K or 100K, ABM is perfect for you. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you do that? Because now you have to be very personalized, prescriptive around how you're gonna reach out to it. So it really depends on who your customers' customers are in some ways and the size of the deal, the number of people involved in the decision making process and also the length of those deals.
2: Yeah, that's a great answer. And so it's less about you and your company, and more about the types of deals and the size of deals you're making with your customers. That that it makes perfect sense. Like there's a lot of the companies that we consult are what you described. You know, they're a, an equipment manufacturer, and they sell a, a you know a piece of equipment that's six hundred thousand dollars or two million dollars, and it. You know, there's a six to 12 month buy cycle and they're talking to, you know, engineers and plant managers and procurement and the C-suite and there are all these different people on the buyer's end who are going to influence the sale somewhere along the way. And and those are the situations typically where we say there, there needs to be an account-based component here because it's worth investing in that sale, the time and, and energy of, of your people, right? Yeah, it really is. Super critical, because that's where you actually
0: might be seeing. If you're an organization listening to this right now and thinking that, well, I have a different goal for my sales and marketing team. We have a lead problem. We don't have a win rate. We may be having win rate issues. The real issue that you really have, in my opinion, just looking at is not a demand problem. It's actually a pipeline velocity problem. And that happens because those deals that you already identify the accounts, but they're not moving fast enough. So you need to kind of figure out what's wrong with that. And we keep going back to the marketing team saying, hey, pump in more leads, pump in more inbound, pump in." It's like, I would literally guarantee, like because we are literally in the middle of the year right now, organizations can stop having any more lead generation whatsoever right now, and focus on pipeline and expansion programs. They will hit their number. As a matter of fact, they will crush their numbers for the rest of the year. If they made their overall budget for net new demand zero, like don't get any more net new, whatever is in your pipeline and close, try to close them or whatever is in your expansion deals, try to close them. And whatever comes through inbound is great. That's gravy. They will crush their quota because they will be less distracted. They'll be more focused and they will drive business outcomes.
2: Great summary, love that. So where do you see ABM headed? You know, the software is changing so fast. I mean, your own software, but also the things you've described, the way intent data is becoming more available to us. Like where do you see things going in the next few years?
0: Well, I mean, I already wrote the sequel on ABM, like ABM, and then ABM is B2B. So I'm already washing my hands over the fact that, hey, look, I thought ABM is the future, but the reality, the second book, I made it clear, but ABM is actually B2B. So two years, five years from now, ABM may not even exist. It's just better marketing. So what I think is opportunity for all of us is this this idea that I shared earlier, and maybe that's what I write next is like B2B is not boring to boring, it's better to better. And I think there is an opportunity for all B2B companies, manufacturing or anything, is that we have an opportunity to create really better experiences for our customers. And I think what most companies are doing, if you really look at it, we're creating boring experiences for our customers. And the reality is that we look at it and see it and we expect that. That's the problem. We haven't raised the bar on experiences. So I feel like it's almost a new movement that I feel or sense coming, is going from like, you know what? So what I'm a manufacturing company you know, manufacturing equipment company you know, selling whatever I'm selling. It's, it's why not create campaigns that are like, you're selling Harley Davidson right? Like, like make it feel so real, so genuine, so personal that you actually move people to purchase, move people emotionally to make them think that, Hey, I want that. And I think that transition really hasn't happened in B2B. So my thesis is like, we were probably going to go through a a renaissance period of like, all right, the boring to boring is off. Now everybody's got to be creative and create more better to better experiences.
2: Great answer. What's on the horizon for you Sangram? (laughs) well for me i don't know man i'm doing so many different things right
0: Uh, the (laughs) podcast company's doing good i I do i started a i think i shared with you maybe on a separate note i started a private marketing group and i'm a member
2: yeah a a recent member
0: yeah so like to me that's like my playground right now joe right to test ideas to see what's going on give other people voice that may not feel comfortable being in the outside world and give a voice and videos and stuff like that. I wanna see more marketers become CMOs in the future. I think most marketers don't really know what it takes to become that. But for me, my heart right now really is focused on building another community where people are actually hungry to be better marketers. And I want to see that happen with their lives and their work. So, peak communities where I'm at it. So, if anybody wants to join, they can hit you or me because you know it's all invite only. So, that'd be really cool.
2: Exactly. There's some really cool stuff happening there already. And I like your, your tagline is something like it's all about getting 1% better, right? Just continuously getting 1% better at at marketing. So
0: man. I think it's it's you, there's a compounding effect of that, I didn't never Mm -hmm.
2: understood until it started to become
0: that when you're intentional about it, that every week I got to get one person better. I don't know what it is and how it is, but when you take an audit and say, hey, I got one person better, it's not daunting for you to become like a thousand percent better any any stretch, but we all can get one person better. But what's the beauty is that imagine if you get one person better truly every week, that's like 52% better at the end of the year. So, so the compound impact of that is profoundly life-changing. So yeah, that's that's the goal. That's why we do the survey every Thursday religiously Are we getting one person better? Are you doing something? And there are the matrix that allows you to think about like, you can make a great connection and become a one person better because now you just learn about someone or something
2: and that makes you better. Right, great, great concept. I'm excited to get a little more actively involved in it. I just joined I a few weeks do. ago, and it's it's very cool. Yeah. So, well, this has been an amazing conversation. So many great nuggets in here. I know. I know our audience is going to get a ton of value on it. And so, where's the best place for listeners to find you online or to learn more about Terminus, to pick up a copy of ABM is B2B, all this this awesome stuff you're doing? Where Where would you send someone?
0: Well, two things. One, I would love people to send me a LinkedIn message if they got something out of it, like what did they learn from it? Like if there was something that just jumped at it. If you did, I'll send you a free copy of my book. How's that?
2: That's awesome. Yeah. You better let's take them up it. on that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Let's take me up on it. Like, I don't care how many people come to me, like tell me one thing that really connected for you and hopefully you will do more. I will do something with that and I'll just shoot you, shoot you a copy. Like no cool. questions asked.
2: Well, hey, we don't even have to send you the Amazon then if you, if you go that route. So that's, that's a deal. <laughs> awesome. That's great. So check out Sangram, find him on LinkedIn, see what Terminus is doing. You know, look for his book, ABM is B2B. Peak.community is the community he's started for marketers. A lot of stuff you can take away from following Sangram. So you I know, just want to say thank you for doing this. It's been an awesome episode and thrilled you could be a part of it. Anytime, Joe, anytime for you. Awesome. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive.
1: You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.